everyone, I'm Stacy Cabell, and I'd like to welcome you to our first ever Star Stuff Travel podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Stuff Travel, where our commitment to family travel and the Disney brand sets us apart from other agencies. Once you book with us, you're part of the Star Stuff Travel family. Please head over to our Star Stuff Travel and Family Travel by Star Stuff Facebook pages and like them. That way you'll keep up on all of the Disney news as well as family travel news, advice, and tips. And when you have a moment, go ahead and head over to the StarStuffTravel.com webpage and subscribe to our podcast via the RSS feed. Now, our podcast sessions will consist of Disney news, tips, and advice, Orlando area attractions, and some local tri-state area day trips and weekend getaway information. With that being said, I'm going to jump right into this week's Disney news. Um, As of yesterday, Monday the 28th, guests were able to make additional FastPass Plus selections after they used their initial three FastPass Plus. Um, After you use those initial three FastPass Plus selections, you can head over to in-park kiosks to make your fourth FastPass Plus selection. And once you use that, you can return to a kiosk and make additional selections. Now, it is unknown at this time if guests will be able to make an additional selection if they have a Fast Pass Plus reservation for a nighttime show, as well as it being unknown at this time if guests are able to utilize their smartphones to make their additional Fast Pass Plus selections beyond those first three. So we'll keep you updated as soon as we speak to either some clients or family members that we have in the parks this week. Um, I also want to let you know that Thursday, May 1st, Hollywood Studios is going to be celebrating their 25th anniversary, uh, formerly known as Disney MGM Studios, which opened to the public on May 1st, 1989. Um, I remember actually being able to visit MGM as it was back then with my parents um, back probably within the year or so that it first opened. And remember how exciting it was to actually go on that backstage tour and see the Golden Girls faux home facade, which was really neat. Of course, it's no longer there, but it was very cool. Some of the festivities set for this Thursday for that celebration include a 10 a.m. rededication ceremony with the park president, Dan Cockrell, which will honor some of the 25-year cast members, which is pretty cool. At 7 p.m., a motorcade called Stars of the Studios will go up on Hollywood Boulevard, featuring, featuring characters such as Captain Jack Sparrow, Darth Vader, Wreck-It Ralph, Sophia the First, and Mickey and Minnie Mouse. And then a dance party will be held in front of the Sorcerer's Hat stage after the motorcade. And then at 9.30 p.m., a fireworks show will be set off above the park's iconic Sorcerer's Hat. These events, of course, are included in your regular Hollywood Studios admission. Um, I want to go over also a few closings that are coming up close to the summertime for those of you that are traveling. The first closing update that we have is going to be for the Magic Kingdom. It's going to take place during the summer season, and it is for the People Mover, which is going to be closed down 
pretty much for the whole summer, June 2nd to 8, uh, August 4th. This one is actually one of my favorite rides to escape the heat. You never have to wait for this ride. You can hop right on it. Um, so that for the summertime is kind of a bummer for people visiting. Directly above the People Mover is the Astro Orbiter, which is going to be closing from June 2nd all the way to September 19th. And the Carousel of Progress is closing the end of August for about two weeks. All of these attractions happen to be in the Tomorrowland section of the Magic Kingdom. Now we're going to jump into our next segment of Walt Disney World Extras that not everyone talks about. This week's extra is going to be uh, the subject of Club Cool, which is formerly known as Ice Station Cool, and it's located in the Innovention West Pavilion at Epcot. Now, Club Cool is an awesome pit stop to cool off in the middle of a hot day. Uh, it allows people to cool off in their air-conditioned gift shop, which features some really cool Coca-Cola merchandise. But the best part about Club Cool is that they actually allow guests to sample soft drinks from around the world. It's kind of similar to the world of Coca-Cola's testing area in Atlanta, Georgia. The testing area here at Club Cool has self-serve soda dispensers offering eight flavors of soft drinks from around the world. I'm going to go through some of the uh, samples with you. They were recently updated. The first one is Beverly, and it actually tends to be a cult favorite. It's from Italy, and it is a non-alcoholic aperitif, or as my son calls it, a pair of teeth. <laughs> and we've got Fanta Pineapple, which is from Greece. Fanta Melon Frost, which is from Thailand, and it is the number one drink over there. Vegetabeta, which is from Japan. Bibo, which is from South Africa. Sparletta, which is a raspberry cream soda from Zimbabwe, and Inca Cola. Now, Inca Cola is one of the only samples there with caffeine, and it is sometimes referred to liquid bubblegum due to its very sweet taste, and it is from Peru. Now, I know we've actually been able to purchase a two liter of Inca Cola here at our local shop, right? Um, and the kids couldn't couldn't drink it. It's very sweet. They had a glass. It was cool for them to try it out, but it's super sweet. And the last one is Guarana Kuwait, uh, which is from Brazil. And excuse me if I did not pronounce that right. Um, so make sure to pop in when you need some cool air. It's a great place to cool off and get some refreshments. And it's definitely always a hit with the kids. Moving on, we have today's Disney Parks tip. And today's tip is going to be Pack your own ponchos when visiting Walt Disney World. I would say for any time in the season, but especially close to or in the summer, um, for sure, because summer is their rainy season. Thunderstorms can occur in the afternoon usually and come and go pretty quickly. And June is typically the month with the most rain. So um, for us, we typically travel to Disney uh, or Walt Disney World in the summer months. I've learned firsthand to pack our own ponchos because there was a time when I had a family of five and I had to purchase them and it's a pretty penny you know pushing on up close to a hundred bucks for five of them and you know what I'd rather save that money for souvenirs for the kids um, so definitely 
pack, pack the ponchos. You can get ponchos at the local dollar store. That way you use them for the day. If you want to throw them out, you don't feel a bit feel bad about it. Um, I always throw our ponchos inside of our backpacks, which is another must for me is a backpack. Um, you know, you can throw your, your waters, your sunscreen. You don't want to carry a purse, throw your wallets, whatever in the pack, the backpack. So that is definitely my park tip of the day. Moving on, we are going to go to our Disney-inspired recipes, and today's Disney-inspired recipe is one of my family's favorite Walt Disney Park snack. Now, everyone has their favorite park snack, and this is probably, I would say, has to be on the top three of everyone's list, and that is the Disney churro. I found this recipe at allrecipes.com. It was done start to finish in 20 minutes, and it is so easy. For those of you that know me personally, know if I can make this churro, you can for sure. Um, I was not close to making it on Worst Cooks of America for nothing, that's for sure. So if you head on over to allrecipes.com, It'll give you the steps that you need to make those. And again, start to finish 20 minutes and you're all set. I think my kids ate them in about two minutes. And uh, they were awesome. Now, this concludes the Disney portion of the StarCast. And we're going to move on to our Orlando Attractions segment. And today we're going to discuss Universal's new resort, the Cabana Bay Beach Resort, which is actually Universal's first on-site value hotel people are saying and describing this hotel as something like straight out of the tv show mad men it's a throwback to the 1950s and 60s beachfront motels um, even the complimentary zest soap bars and vo5 shampoo and conditioner that they put in your showers there are packaged something like from the time frame back then they're very retro this hotel is a great fit for people that enjoy those types of pop culture. And uh, they have a very moderate and value-priced base there. They offer guests their choice of family suites, complete with kitchenettes or standard rooms. They have two huge pools, which feature a lazy river. They even have a bowling alley and much more. Um, I want to go over some of the benefits and the pros and cons of staying at the new Cabana Bay Beach Resort. Some of the benefits of staying here are the early park admission to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. You actually get to attend that one hour before the theme park opens with your valid admission, of course. Um, this is a great benefit because I have to be honest, when I went with the kids, we actually did not go early and we ended up having to miss this attraction because there was a two hour standby wait. And when it's hot out and you have kids with you, two hours is not going to cut it. So I definitely feel that this is, you know, a pro of staying on site. They're going to offer complimentary shuttle buses and walking paths, both to Universal Orlando theme parks and Universal City Walk. Um, the con to staying on the property here is that they are not going to offer you the skip the regular lines or express pass. 
um, in either of the parks, like staying on property at any of the other three Universal hotels would offer you. Um, this is something that you should take into great consideration. We had stayed at the Lowe's Royal Pacific Resort last May, which I can go over that in great length on a different podcast. We'll do a, re- a good review of that hotel. Um, we were able to take advantage of the skip the regular lines. And I have to tell you, after doing that, I'm not sure I could do without it if I were to ever visit there again. We pretty much walked onto every ride with extremely minimal weight, if any. And in turn, because we didn't have to wait, we were actually able to do more things within that day because of the fact we barely lost any time waiting online. Now, if you're going to be in the parks for days, you know, three or four days, you may be able to save some money if you're not staying on site or if you want to stay at the Cabana Beach Resort and not have the express or the skip the regular lines. But if you're only going to the park for a day and you're doing both parks, you know, that's definitely something you want to think about because some of the lines sometimes can be rather long and you're losing that time from doing other things. When we went to Universal last year, we used Mears Transportation, which of course you can use for uh, the Cabana Bay Beach Resort, and they'll bring you back and forth to the resort and the airport. Um, They offer either a shared ride or you can actually rent them privately. A shared ride takes longer because you stop at all of the resorts everyone in your party on the bus or the van is going to be going to. For me, that's great because I'm nosy and I actually like to peek at the other resorts and I like to talk to the other people that are riding with us and see what they're doing on their vacations. That is not for everyone though. So if you're looking to get to your resort quickly, I would definitely recommend doing a private uh, private ride from Mears. Now the Cabana Bay Beach Resort is offering complimentary buses to Aquatica, SeaWorld, and Wet n Wild. Reservations are required and you can do this at the Destination Universal Attraction Ticket Desk at the resort. There is also transportation to and from Walt Disney World. There There are, of course, fees included with that unless you have that specific ticket that Universal offers. Um, And they also offer Hertz rental car services, which are available right at that Destination Universal Attraction ticket desk. You can always check out Family Travel by Star Stuff Facebook page for more tips, advice, and information on Universal properties. And that wraps up uh, our Orlando destination section and brings us last to not least our local tri-state area day trips and weekend getaway section. So today for that, we're going to discuss visiting New York City for a day trip on a budget. Not many people actually know this, but at the Metropolitan Museum of Art or the American Museum of Natural History in New York City, you can pay what you can afford or what you feel represents your visit to the museum with their suggested admission policy. At either of these museums, the full price admission price is actually posted. However, you can tell the cashier how much you want to pay and they will admit you. 
Now, I myself have done this several times when I'm visiting either of these museums, and I've actually have been to both of these museums. I've paid myself as low as $5 per person if I have a large group with me, but I have seen people pay as little as $2 each um, while I've waited online. Now, do understand you cannot purchase tickets online for less than the suggested admission. You must do it in person. And you have to remember, though, while you can pay what you would like, you have to remember that they do rely on income from the admission to present their collections and do their work. So just, you know, keep that in mind when figuring out what you're willing to pay for your suggested admission price. The Metropolitan Museum of Art is open seven days a week, Sunday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. They're only closed on Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's Day, and the first Monday in May. The suggested admission that they actually post for adults is $25, ages 65 years and over is $17, Students are $12 and kids under 12 are free. So, you know, the nice thing about that is the last time I went there, I had myself, um, a friend, and my three kids. Two of the kids were under 12, so they would have gotten in for free. Um, I did pay for them because I was making a lower than suggested admission price. So I paid $5, so you're looking at, you know, $25 for all of us to go in and do that, and we spent the whole day there. It's really, you know, something great that can take up the whole day, or if you want to visit both of the museums on the same day, you can definitely do that too on a budget. I wouldn't recommend it. I'd try to get there both separate days, but um, it is something you can do. They're actually located on 5th Avenue and 82nd Street, and it's really easy to find them via the subway as well. The American Museum of Natural History is open seven days a week, every day from 10 a.m. to 5.45 p.m., except for Christmas and Thanksgiving. Their posted suggested admission is $22. Um, however, the Space Show, IMAX, and 3D shows are additional cost, so just keep that in mind. When you're doing the, you know, voluntary voluntary uh, donation there, you're not going to be admitted into any of their shows. They are going to be an additional cost. They're located on 79th and Central Park West. And today's New York City recommended hotel is the Salisbury Hotel located on West 57th between 7th Avenue and Avenue of the Americas. It's a five-minute walk from Central Park. It's in a fantastic area. It's also within walking distance to the shops at Columbus Circle, which is one of my favorite places in that area, as well as Carnegie Hall, FAO Schwartz, and Central Park. Another great idea if you want to do New York City on a, a budget, and I know we're going back to where, you know, we were a few moments ago is if you have the kids with you and you want to do the museum you're not too far from you know heading over to FEO Schwartz and you know you can actually probably spend a good hour and a half in FEO Schwartz and then heading over to spending some time in the park now the Salisbury Hotel I've actually stayed 
in that hotel. It's a great price. It's an awesome location. The rooms are large and very clean. However, you need to know it's a non-frills hotel. Nothing fancy. But for the money and the location, it's definitely a fantastic choice. Recently, when we stayed there, we paid for a standard room and we were actually upgraded to a suite for no further cost whatsoever. The suite definitely reminded me of a larger, older New York City apartment. And by the looks of it, they may have actually been converted from apartments into a hotel. Uh, When you walk in, you had a small kitchenette and a dining table. You had a very large living room area with a sleeper sofa and a flat screen TV. And then a separate bedroom with two double beds, a desk, a dresser, two closets, and a pretty large bathroom for the city. Again, uh, very, very, you know, plain, simple, non-frills. Could use an update shortly, um, but very clean, great location. They actually offer breakfast the next day. Um, That is something that you do have to pay for. It's only a few dollars, though, so it's great if you're looking to, you know, catch something quick and then make out for the day without having to stop for breakfast. So it's definitely worth the price. And with that, it brings us to the end of our Star Stuff Travel Podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us on this special occasion, which is our very first podcast, the first of many more. I would also like to thank Michael Cabell Jr. for all of the music and his great sound editing. And tune in next time for more great family travel news and tips. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in.